Super Talk Mississippi media production. You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Hey, Monday afternoon, start of a new week. Glad to have you along. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad with you on this Monday. Thanks for joining us on Sports Talk Mississippi. Ceasefire text line is open. If you would like to be a part of the conversation, you can hit us up. 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. There's obviously tons going on at Ceasefire. Don't forget their website. You can find everything you need, whether it's trading out a phone, uh, looking at the plans that they've got uh, available, uh, checking out Ceasefire Cares or Ceasefire Business, all from their website, Ceasefire.com. Ceasefire Customer Inspired. We are glad to have you along for the ride this afternoon. Michael Borky made it through the weekend okay? Yeah, I'm, uh, not to brag, I'm a hurricane survivor. Uh, I don't think there was a hurricane that came through. Eh, close enough. No, not close enough. There's a big difference between a tropical storm turning into a tropical depression and a hurricane. Yeah, slightly. It was it was kind of eerie yesterday, and I don't know about uh, what happened on the coast. Uh, so far, we have just gotten uh, a bunch of rain and wind, but for a few hours yesterday, I was trying to get as much yard work in as possible uh, before it came, and there was that like ominous low-hanging gray clouds and a ton of wind and so it kind of felt like something real was brewing and it ended up just raining a bunch yeah well that's i suppose better than the alternative i've been trying to mow my grass for a week now uh like starting either last monday night or last tuesday night i told jane i gotta get the grass cut and then something would come up and something would come up and something would come up and i was looking at the forecast and it was supposed to rain today in north mississippi which it has some and there's a good chance of rain tomorrow as well and i was afraid that my yard was going to start looking like a jungle so i was the guy that was cutting grass early this morning but on a monday morning i mean cutting at 8 30 on a monday morning is okay right yeah, most people should be at work by then. Um, you, you would think so. I've never really been bothered by early grass cutting guy. I know that's a, a very a point of contention in my neighborhood. Uh, people are very upset on next door uh, when it comes to people cutting their grass before nine a.m. That's never yeah. bothered me. I'm already up anyway. Yeah, I hear you. Hey, Dad, do you cut your own grass? That's what I have children for. <laughs> Is there a certain time of the day you allow them to begin that? Uh, we, we, we normally, you know, just do it on the weekends, but I, I wouldn't want them to start before like, you know, 9 a.m. Okay. I feel like Monday's a different deal, though. Like, everybody's Monday, up and going on Monday morning. They, 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 people should be at work, yeah. Yeah. You, you would, uh, you certainly would think. 
Uh, as I said, if you want to be part of the show, you can do so on the uh, on the C Spire text line. 601-879-4395 is the number. If you would like to uh, jump in and chat with us this afternoon, we'll get to winners and losers coming up a little bit later this afternoon. Uh, that will be to begin the 4 o'clock hour. And so uh, what did you like from the weekend? What did you not like from the weekend? This is the last weekend, and, and you had NASCAR, and you had some other things sports-wise that were going on. If you were interested in German soccer, you could watch the Bundesliga. But this coming weekend, we have real, live, professional American sports with the turn, uh, return of golf, the Charles Schwab Challenge at Colonial in Fort Worth. Will you be watching? Without a doubt. And I, the, the poll question I'm going to make today, I don't know how I'm going to form it yet, but I want to ask, would you have watched this weekend regardless? And then if not... Are you going to watch this weekend? I don't know how to word that the best way to make a poll out of it, but I want to know if people that aren't usually watchers of the sport are going to be watchers of the sport because it's a sport and we've got it back. As a non-watcher of the sport, I don't watch it as religiously as you two guys do. Uh, I'll probably check it out for a minute, yeah. I don't know that I'll sit down and watch you know a whole day's worth of coverage. You know, my viewing habit, and I'm just being completely honest, because I love professional golf, love watching the PGA Tour. But I generally don't watch it in real time. If that makes not that I'm putting everything on my DVR, but I will watch on Thursday afternoon, Friday afternoon. Show will be going on. Golf Channel will be covering the golf, and so I'll have it on. So I will watch in real time on Thursday and Friday afternoon while we're doing the show. And then I will probably Saturday night fall asleep to the replay. And probably the same thing on uh, on Sunday, unless it's really good on Sunday afternoon and, and I'm around. But I'm I'm probably not rescheduling the weekend and building it around golf, not not because it's the but that, that's what I would have done regardless. So Borky, I'm probably in that side of the the poll question where yes, I would have watched regardless, but even so, I'm not sitting down and watching the final round from beginning until end. Yeah, I'll probably be the same way this weekend. Yeah, I just. I mean, it's the summer, and my kids are around, and there's time at the pool and time at the lake, and grass needs to be cut. And if I'm able to sneak out and play golf, might try and do that myself as opposed to just sitting on the couch for four hours on Sunday afternoon to uh, to watch the, the final group. The, it is a star-studded field, no question about that. Uh, top five players in the world are all playing. Tiger is not, so it's it's not as star-studded as it could be. In fact, you could make the argument that none of the top five players in the world playing but Tiger Woods being in the field would make it a more star-studded event. Uh, but they're going to be some really, really good golfers. One thing I'm interested to see, these guys have not played professionally since the what second full weekend in March, and that was only a Thursday when the Players' Championship or the Players, whatever it's called now, uh, was canceled after the first round. Is there going to be rust? I mean, I know these are the best golfers in the world, but is it going to look exactly like it would have looked if they had been playing every weekend for the last three months? They probably have been playing every weekend for the last three months. Well, not everybody. I mean, when Dustin Johnson teed it up, and, and I, or uh, no, it wasn't Dustin Johnson. It was Brooks Kepka when he teed it up for the charity match. Not the, not the match, but the one that happened before that. He had only started – it was the first time that he had played – like like a week before the that match began, 
he picked up a club for the first time since they had gone on break. He kind of prides himself on stuff like that, though. Yeah. I don't practice very much. I don't work very hard. I don't study the course. I just play. It's boring. I I don't fully believe his shtick, but that's just me. Yeah. Well, you may be uh, you may be onto something there as well. Um, so what's coming up this afternoon? Chris Lamonis is going to join us. Hey, Dad, looking forward to that coming up in the uh, the four o'clock hour. Mississippi Mississippi State has some guys uh, that are going to be drafted and potentially are going to be drafted in the first round. Certainly, the first couple of rounds. And the draft is coming up on Wednesday of this week. There are also uh, maybe certainly one and maybe two players that are commitments to Mississippi State that are likely to hear uh, their names called only a five-round draft. And so it's going to feel much, much different than it has in uh, in recent years. And so we'll talk to Chris Lamonis about that. I mentioned we've got uh, winners and losers coming up. There's some crazy stuff that's happening in the world of college football, and some of it is uh, a bit of an offshoot uh, from some of the protests that have going uh, that are going on right now, um, and, and we'll get into some of those stories. Major League Baseball is a mess. We uh, have the owners countering a proposal from uh, the Players Association a little over a week ago. Uh, it's not likely a proposal that is going to get the support of the players. And is Major League Baseball done? I mean, I think that's the um, almost the question that we're looking at now. Uh, when we uh, we kind of take a look at uh, the back and forth between MLB and the uh, the players union, um, want to address this as well. Uh, a little bit of a sad day for uh, for Sports Talk Mississippi. We are uh, we are a man down on this show. Uh, Brian Scott Rippey will no longer be with us on uh, on Sports Talk Mississippi. We're obviously going through. Uh, Oh, forgive me for using such a cliched phrase, but uh, it is indeed an unprecedented time. Uh, COVID-19 is affecting businesses all over the world, certainly all over the United States. And the sports industry is um, certainly not unique in that um, in that regard. And we've got uncertainty all over the uh, sports world. Um there has been a reduction in the uh, staff size for uh, for this show. Brian Scott Rippey's not going to be with us anymore. I would just like to personally say we, we've all got a great relationship with Rippey. I am uh, am thankful for the almost two years that we have had uh, with him on this show. Uh, without this sounding like uh, platitudes or I'm trying to prop him up, I, I genuinely uh, mean it when I say he is one of the most talented young writers that I have ever been around. I think he has an incredibly bright future in him. Uh, I'm thankful for what he has brought to the show. His wit is uh, certainly unique in, uh, in and around uh, this group of, uh, of characters. Uh, we're going to miss Brian Scott Rippey, and we wish him absolutely nothing but the, uh, nothing but the best going forward. I think they're probably uh, really big things in his future. Uh, that doesn't make the, uh, the current time any um, less disappointing or, uh, or less frustrating uh, from from his perspective, um, but from our perspective, we're going to miss him, and we're certainly thankful for all that he has brought to this show over the uh, last almost two years. But we will continue. Sports Talk Mississippi, Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and uh, Brian Haydad on this Monday afternoon and going forward with you as hopefully we get closer and closer to the start of the college football season and uh, some sense of normalcy 
coming uh, coming to us pretty soon. Got a bunch to get to, including your text messages on the C Spire text line 601-879-4395. Back with you on this Monday afternoon. It is Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Michael Borky, and Brian Haydad, thanks for being with us. On this Monday afternoon, the start of a new week at Ceasefire, they're not just saying they care, they're taking action to show it through COVID-19 and every day from free wireless data for educational websites to connecting businesses with the tools to work from home. Learn more at cspire.com slash cspire cares. 601-879-4395. That's the number for the Ceasefire text line. Borky, uh, in the rundown today, you just described it as Major League Baseball is currently a dumpster fire. It really is. Uh, I'm. I know we've been talking about this for a few weeks, but th- I think this is a huge story because they're kind of letting, in a time where there's no sports at all, they're letting themselves and their failures be the story. And I'm I'm almost mind blown that they are allowing this to go on. So I read a. a story over the weekend from Ken Rosenthal at The Athletic that said that whole 4th of July thing, that's gone. There's no possible way that happens, and the sides are way far apart. And so Monday happens, and it it comes out that the owners send the players another proposal, but the players, I mean, Andrew McCutcheon just tweeted LOL. I mean, the players aren't even going to take it seriously. They are so far apart, and the clock is ticking. I just, I am shocked that it's Major League Baseball that it had the hardest time getting something together and getting ready to play. Every other sports league in this country has either a plan in case something happens when their season begins or has already signed, sealed, delivered, ready to get back to play, and Major League Baseball is the only one out here making negative headlines almost every single day. I'm, I'm mind-blown by it. Hey, Dan, here are the, the details. Go, yeah. go, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, you know, we talk a lot about how whenever you have labor issues like that, everybody wants to put blame on the players. I think now everybody realizes this is the owner's fault. And that's why I think getting people back, I mean, when it's the players, players come and go, right? The teams are what remain. But if you believe that the people behind the team, the owners, are the problem, that's that's a tough sell to get people back in the boat with you. I agree with that. So this is the the latest offer. Carl Rabbit from ESPN describes it this way. Major League Baseball has made a proposal to the players. 75% prorated salary, which is in addition to the reduction they've already agreed to. 76-game season, which is up from the 48 to 50 that was discussed at the beginning of last week. Pool money for playoffs. No draft pick compensation for signing players. Uh, season finishes on September 27th, and the postseason would end at the end of October. He describes this as a significant move toward players' demands and an effort to play more. That part feels a little disingenuous because Max, uh, I'm sorry, Mike Axisa describes it as an 82-game schedule at a sliding scale equals 33% salary. 50 games at prorated pay is 33% salary. 
76 games at 75% prorated pay is 75% prorated salary, which is the same thing as 33% salary. And so it comes back to the same place, Major League Baseball making the same offer, but in different forms. Bob Nightingale at USA Today says the MLBPA considers Major League Baseball's latest offer as a, quote, step backwards, close quote. They guaranteed 50% pay with possibility of earning 75% prorated salary. Also in the proposal, a 76-game season, playoff money, and no draft pick compensation for free agency. And what that means, correct me if I'm wrong here, but what that means is if you trade for a player who goes into free agency and you are unable to sign them to an extended contract, then you get a compensatory pick, which is the, the what's always been referred to as the sandwich round. So after the first round is over, there are compensatory first-round picks, and that is for guys that you weren't able to sign to contracts that you lost to free agency. Now, Jeff Passan adds this. The structure of the league's last two offers are the same. A 50% cut on prorated salary plus a playoff bonus. In this particular proposal, the bonus doubled and could take the players to roughly 75% of their prorated salaries if the postseason is played. Players look at this as if they are receiving less guaranteed money, which is true. The expanded playoff pool adds a higher potential upside, and the dropping of direct draft pick compensation helps some of the best free agents, but players have held firm since the beginning of this that they want 100% of the prorated salaries that they agreed to in March. And every day that goes by at this point, the season has to get shorter because the players are not willing to play baseball into November. Jeff Passan says... The prospect of a 48-game season is looking likelier, and players have been asked to respond by Wednesday. Jeff Passan also said this. One high-ranking official said today in no uncertain terms, quote, there will be baseball, close quote. You believe that? Well, it, with the the context of the league is going to implement a 48-game uh, schedule and, and just kind of force that on them, which they have the, the ability to do Explain based on that. the agreement back in March. That. Okay, so the March agreement said that they have the ability to force a 48-game schedule. I, how much of a farce would that be? I mean, 50 games last year, your, your World Series champion was, what, 11 games below 500? Something like that. Um, that's not even a season. That, that's not baseball. It's less than college baseball, and I guess it would be better than nothing, but if that's what you get, I still think you're going to have so much negativity around it that it's still going to damage you. Not as much, but it's not like what everybody else is doing. I think if they play, your baseball diehards and your baseball purists are going to be angry about it if they play a 48-game season. I think the people who only care about the playoffs anyway and only watch like really compelling matchups, they'll be fine with it. 
I, I don't. E- even if it's just a forty-eight game season, you may have people go, "Oh, there's always going to be an asterisk by this season." Well, maybe so, but I don't think you will lose fans in the way that you'll lose them if they don't play at all. I talked to uh, a good friend earlier who's the biggest Cardinals fan that I know, and he says, "I don't care if the Cardinals go forty-eight and zero and go twenty and zero in the playoffs." Like, they don't lose this entire season. Not only will I put an asterisk by the season, I will not even recognize it as a championship. He said, I might give them credit for 11 and a quarter world championships, but I'm certainly not going to say, wow, they were 12-time world champions. This guy's a Cardinals fan. That's an extreme view. Buddy, I don't care how short the season is. If my team gets handed a trophy, I'm celebrating that trophy. Yep. You you can keep that one. That that's fine. I'll, I'll be over here celebrating. I guess. Yeah. No. I, I kind of uh, I kind of agree with you on that front. And you know I, I I don't know if we get to the point where maybe once where the playoffs are around, um, where we've got actual fans in the stands. But I've got this ongoing promise with my son with, with Ovi that the next time the Yankees make it to the World Series, and this is now two or three years running. I guess two years running where they were close, we were going to go. I was going to take him to a World Series game in New York to see the Yankees try and get a 28th World Championship. And guess what? If we have a 48-game regular season and the Yankees get to a World Series and fans are allowed and it's in Yankee Stadium, I'm going to make good on that promise. And I'm not going to buy him a jersey that's got an asterisk on it in the nameplate <laughs> or in lieu of number two on the back of the jersey or any of the other single-digit numbers that are retired, have an asterisk back there, I'm going to take you to the World Series. I hope. I just hope we get there. It kind of feels like we're headed that direction. Um, I have a coronavirus story in the notes today. I did see also, if you trust him or not, the World Health Organization has seconded the the findings in that story from uh, the University of Pennsylvania Medical Center that um, asymptomatic people aren't transmitting the virus. It's very rare. The doctor from University of Pennsylvania said you're more likely to get in the car accident driving up and down the Pennsylvania Turnpike than you are getting coronavirus from somebody close to you that has it but is asymptomatic. So if we keep getting news like this, I don't see why at some point, I mean, even the NBA starts letting fans go to their games in Orlando. Yeah, I mean... How else do you explain somebody getting this highly contagious virus and being asymptomatic and then going home and not transmitting it to their wife and children? I I don't know how else you explain it. But yeah, that's really big news. Now, you can't be like, oh, the World Health Organization is a complete farce, and then all of a sudden like jump up and down on this news like it's the greatest thing that's ever happened. We'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi. Be right back. At Black Sports Talk Mississippi with you streaming at supertalk.fm. Thanks for being with us on this Monday afternoon. Richard Cross, Michael Borkey, and Brian Haydad. Ceasefire text line is open. 601-879-4395. Is there anything that stood out to you this weekend? Any like did you do something interesting? Did you uh see something interesting? I know we'll get to winners and losers coming up in a little bit, but 
it's kind of hard to have stuff that like just jumps off the page out of you when there's not really any sports. With the exception of um, the Ole Miss and Mississippi State athletes uh, participating in marches uh, over the weekend, at least around here, that's uh, the most newsworthy thing that happened. Yeah. I nearly texted Borky last night because it was Daniel Sunday on uh, Sundance Film Channel and they had a Karate Kid marathon going on. He could have caught all three. Mm, only two of them are worth watching. I agree with that, but you know, you need the backstory. Man, I was cooking yeah. gumbo yesterday. I had no time for that. I was in the evening. I mean, you would have been, we would have been fine. Yeah. Borky, can we give the background on that uh, noise we heard just a second ago? Oh, did you hear it? I've, I've got this away. Um, yeah, okay. we can. We can talk about it because it's a nightmare. Borky has been on hold, Mr. Haydad, with the Internal Revenue Service for <laughs> about an hour now. Getting but, close. I mean, I started at... Um, started well before the show began, thinking that he would be able to get in and out with the IRS, which was his uh, his first bad decision. Joke's on me there. Yeah. You're not familiar with the federal government and how it works? Well, it, so here's... Don't you watch Parks and Rec? Don't You should know this. Uh, here. Yeah, so I, I've oh, been... I'm, I'm sure they will. <laughs> but listening to this forever. So the... Um, the economic stimulus checks that come, uh, as we talked about, that you about never it, got, that I never got. As it turns out, they're not sending checks. In some cases, they are sending a credit card, if you can believe that. So, yeah, still doing this, um, like like a prepaid credit card. Yeah, like a Visa card. And I didn't know that. When they say check, I assume a check. So we apparently got that payment last week, but it came with some form. people. In fairness, are getting actual checks right. from the United States Treasury, which is so confusing. So apparently, uh, we received our economic stimulus check in the form of a credit Congratulations. card that had my son's name and my wife's former last name on it, her maiden name. So, ooh, I'm getting somewhere. I think I'm getting somewhere. So. My wife immediately, because we get sent credit cards and all that crap from companies soliciting our business. You guys get them, I'm sure, all the time. So she just cut it up and threw it away. Turns out we get a letter uh, from Donald Trump, not his real signature on it, it was printed, uh, that says, hey, this is why you got your economic stimulus check. This is what it's for. President Trump's signature, blah, blah, blah. So I thought, wait, we didn't get a check. Go to Google. Turns out they're sending some people cards. We cut up and threw away a couple thousand dollars last week. So there's a way I can get a new card sent to me. But as it turns out, somebody has already gotten access to that card and spent it all. So now I have to... <laughs> there's the twist. Plot twist. So now I'm on the phone with the IRS, not only trying to get a new card sent to me, also reporting fraud. So this is going to be great. I believe it was the philosopher Willy Wonka who said, You get nothing! You lose! Good day, you, sir! You uh, lose! So, yeah, uh, yeah, I called them at about 2.40 <laughs> or so. Mm -hmm. And it is 3.42, my phone oh. is dying, and I'm still well, you can doing this. I could you could charge the phone. Uh, that, that's doable, I would think. I could, but uh, I just didn't expect. Or you could to just take you it cut it up long. and throw it away. 
<laughs> I don't. I don't think you're going to get this money back, Borky. I'm just going to go out on a limb. I mean, they had my my son's name and then my wife's maiden name on the card. Like, what did you think we were going to? Isn't that your do alias? That? That's that's like your Ron Mexico name. Needs to be. Wait, why was your name not on it? We share a first name. Uh, so, but I don't. I still don't understand. Uh, I don't. I don't understand at all why his his first two names were on the card and so her it last said name. Jimmy Dick Borky on the card. Yes, in a way. Slight, slightly different spelling, uh, but yeah, uh, young James Richard. Yeah, and so when I call this number, they're like, "Yeah, sometimes names are not going to appear." Like, well, why not? Why has the card got an incorrect name on it? Please explain that to me. Mm. So I, I don't know, and I still. Hey, Dad, you you just got a direct deposit, didn't you? Yes. Like normal people. Well, see, m but they have my bank account information. It's just because uh, our accountant, who's a wonderful man, is a little old school, um, it, it had us paper file. He doesn't know how your your accountant doesn't e-file, Borky. Oh my gosh, Borky! You, no offense to this guy, you got to drop this guy. You got to you got to you got to well, find somebody that understands technology. We are we are never uh, we're never paper filing again. That's for sure. But. Um, <laughs> But who would have thought that the coronavirus was going to shut down everything, including the IRS? Not him, I'm sure. But that has put us in a bit of a bind. Uh, Richard and Wiggins says, Borky, you might actually not exist. <laughs> it's a glitch uh, in the Matrix. Man. But, like, how does somebody get access to, to that card and, and spend it all? It, like, they said it... They put it back together out of your garbage. You got a dumpster diver in the neighborhood. Apparently so. Thomas and Greenwood says, did they end up switching to credit cards with an expiration because of people like me who are still holding on to that stimulus money that was direct deposited? Well, you want to talk about financial discipline for Thomas and Greenwood. Got a direct deposit from the United States Treasury and still haven't spent the money. That's impressive. He's rolling. He's got big money. Kudos to you because that not that would have not been me. It would be gone already, which I guess is good that my wife cut it up. Hey, Dad, did you uh, have you spent yours already? Yeah, we we put it on some. Uh, we had a, some credit card debt from last year. We paid off with uh, with that. There you go. I just got a text from a friend says he got one of those cars. He trashed it, but his wife rescued it. Oh, he says Borky. You. By the way, get ready. It's seventeen dollars to replace it. <laughs> Why not? Sure. Seventeen's <laughs> a good number for that. Uh, he also said, don't throw the card away after you deplete its value because they are going to reload that card if there is a phase two of the stimulus. Ooh. Is Good there going to be a phase there. two? Oh, I don't know. I, I just Apparently, they're, there's been they're discussion considering about a phase, that. Yeah, they're considering a phase two. Yeah. Uh, Greg says that he has not spent a dime. I Richard and Wiggins says that he is uh Thomas is saving up for ammunition. Thank <laughs> you. <Okay. laughs> uh Stephen West Point suggests that perhaps you should have read the letter with the card explaining what it was before just cutting it up. That would have been the smart thing to do, but I mean, have you listened to this show every day? That's not really my style. Uh Preston Borky doesn't even check email. You think he's gonna read a letter that comes with a credit card? Uh, Preston and Fulton says, hey guys, just put a nice down payment on a boat. Nice. 
There you oh, go. wait. I think what he's saying is he used my card to put the down payment on Oh, <laughs> okay. <laughs> You're welcome, man. Just uh... Indeed, as Borky said, nice. <laughs> the IRS another... is going to track you down in five years. So, uh, Another message saying I still have all my stimulus money. That's impressive. And, and I do know that there's some business owners who have chosen to go that route. Like, there's so much uncertainty with what the repayment terms are going to be, and folks have said, okay, I don't have to have this right now. I want to be really, really sure that I'm not going to get a letter in six months that says, you owe us $17,000, so I'll be able to hand them the check back or just turn around and you know sign it back over to them. Uh, but I think most people are spending that money when it uh, comes in. David in Oxford says he spent his on a week of a condo and all the takeout food in Orange Beach. And that was what we were supposed to do with the money. You're supposed to spend it. It's a stimulus. Supposed to get that money into the economy somehow. It's going to get a guy to take me fishing. That was the plan is when we were going to get this, my wife and I were going to drive down to the coast and get somebody to take us, uh, go catch some reds or something. Yeah. Thomas says he actually reloads and casts uh, ammunition. He says commercial ammo is too expensive when you shoot twenty to 40,000 rounds a year. Wow. He says, but it is hard not to buy a new high-end AR with the uh, the money. It's another Swansonism happening. People who buy stuff are suckers. N- new topic, not necessarily a poll question, but I am curious, and a lot of you are already obliging. If you got a stimulus check, what'd you do with the money? Did you pay bills? Did you pay off credit card debt? Did you go on a vacation? Did you put a down payment on a boat? (laughs) Did you buy a gun or some ammo or something else interesting? Mike in Oxford says he paid for his football season ticket renewal. Jack uh, Jack Crystal might have called that uh, speculating in the stock market, I see. You remember that story, hey, Dad? That one I don't remember. How do you have one that I don't remember? Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm, 601-879-4395. C Spire text line. I received a paper check. This was the stimulus money, and it is still sitting in the bank. That's from a 601 number. Uh, There we go. Let's see. Uh, here's another one. I'm still sitting on mine, and we'll go toward the house I'm currently trying to get built. That's from Austin and Tupelo. Paul in Columbus, you'll forgive me for not reading your response on the air. Sounds Keith fun, though. Keith says he lived on it while he was sick. We have another that says still in the bank. And this is my favorite response. Uh, hey, Dad. Brian in Tupelo goes, instead of Reds, Borky got catfished. <laughs> Maybe a loose interpretation of catfishing, but nonetheless, well played. Well played. He, he's indeed. on the phone there. We can see if you're watching us at supertalk.tv, he is, Borky is talking to somebody. So Richard and I, we have the floor. I love it. Uh, Greg and Jackson tells us that he is waiting to buy a gun, and he goes on to say, in fact, Dick, that's me I think he's talking to, uh, the gun I'm looking at would be perfect for your son to turkey hunt with. Okay. Most people turkey hunt with a shotgun. Yeah, some variation. 
I'll take your word for it. I turkey hunt well, at the uh, in the poultry aisle. Yeah. So yeah, twelve gauge, twenty gauge, the occasional sixteen gauge, different varieties. I have a friend, and I, I can't remember the name. It's like Old Bertha or something like that that he has named this gun. Hey, Dad, he turkey hunts with a pistol grip shotgun that's a sixteen gauge. And says it like nearly knocks him over every time he shoots. He said it's miserable to shoot it. I said, so why do you use that to hunt with? He said, buy a new gun. Yeah, well, he's got plenty. I mean, he's got a bit of an arsenal, but that is his turkey gun. He's like, oh, it's the best turkey hunting gun ever. But I, I, is I don't it though? Get it. If, yeah, apparently if it's not. miserable to shoot. If it's miserable to shoot, and there are others that will do the job, why are you going with old Bertha? But Jason says he donated most of his stimulus check, tried to spread it around a bit, uh, bit, and felt bad that he couldn't do more. Jason, you are always generous, and uh, feather in your cap to you for that. Good job. Good work. Uh, Let's see here. Half of our stimulus check went to chopping up a tree that fell in the yard on a property I own. It was such a massive tree that it fell across two yards, damaging our house and the house next door. Luckily, no one was injured. The other half is in a savings to uh, account to make a down payment on another property. How big was your stimulus check, Bert? How much does it it's cost impressive. to get a tree removed? I don't even know. Josh and Clinton donated most of our stimulus money to tornado victims, gave some to a friend whose house burned. Good for you, Josh. I mean, you don't talk about paying it forward. That's eh, big time. It's good stuff. Big time. Greg and Jackson's. Uh, he he said the gun that would be good for my son to uh, turkey hunt with. He says it's an AR-15 style that shoots 410 shells, and you can put a scope on it. And it's pretty perfect, especially for a little guy shooting that. Take your word for it. Yeah. Whatever you, you catch, I'll hunting, eat. I'll put uh, it that way. Have you ever been hunting of any kind, hey, Dad? Never been hunting. Not that I'm against hunting. Well, I, you know, By all means, I certainly enjoy the fruits of their labor. But uh, <laughs> I, I, I've never gone out now. Any interest in it? Well, I mean, let's, let's talk about what hunting is, right? We're going to be outside. We're going to be in the cold, probably. And we're going to be up really early. That's not three of my favorite things. All right, so if I could help get you lined up on a hunt that was, yes, outside. I can't fix that piece of it. No, I don't think we could hunt indoors. But it was warm and in the afternoon. Would you what go are we hunting? What are we hunting? Well, that probably would be a dove hunt. Yeah, or, I'd go. Or early, early deer season. I'd go. Okay. Have you ever shot a gun before? Yes. Pistol, a uh, hand handgun or rifle, or uh, shotgun, or a, 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 tw- a rifle, a twenty-two. Okay. We had to take a. We took a hunter's education class in high school, and in the end, that was the last thing he did. He went out to the range, and we we had to shoot the gun. Were you? Were you? I, I'm not being flippant when I ask this. I mean, I'm genuine. Were Were you scared of it, or did you feel comfortable no, handling it? I felt comfortable. Yeah, I wasn't worried about getting you know getting shot or anything. So. <laughs> yeah, it was fine. Of course, you weren't worried about. Were you worried about? Potentially shooting something that you weren't intending to shoot. No, no. At. I mean, they, they had the little targets out there for us. And I did you hit the target? I did. Okay. So, what what gun 
Let's set the hunting aside for a second. We may do this in baby steps. And, and you know I'm not a big hunter. I, occasionally. Yeah. What gun would you like to shoot that you've never shot before? I don't know so you've only shot guns. a 22. Yeah, I don't really know enough about guns to be to give you a, a good answer on that, to be totally okay. honest. So that's, a, that's something I would need uh, some, uh, some education and information on. Do you like the idea of trying out a handgun or a long gun? Well, if we're going to go hunting, it would have to be a, a long gun, wouldn't no, it? No, I, I said let's put the hunting aside for a oh. second. We may do this in baby steps. I wouldn't I wouldn't mind shooting a pistol. Okay. We can make that happen. We, we will make that happen, and we will video it, and we will put the results up on um, Sports Talk Mississippi's various social media outlets. Sports Talk Mississippi, we'll be right back. A little time in the slammer, what was I thinking? You singing there, Borky? Man, I'm not a big fan of country. It's just not really my thing. But my sophomore year of college, Dirk Bentley, Dirk's Bentley played a show, and I got dragged by a handful of my fraternity brothers to the show. I did not want to go, and I had a blast at the Dirk's Bentley concert. So ever since then, I've been a fan of his. There you go. And uh, you doing sweater vest today also? No, this is, it was raining, but it was too hot to go full rain jacket. So this is like a, a golf, like rain vest, if you will. Okay. Get a I thought he was just rocking here. the uh, sweater vest today. No. Like no Tommy no. Tuberville style. Uh-uh. <laughs> I mean, there's, what, 10, 12 uh, computer towers in here? This room gets hot, so I'm probably going to take it off here soon. But Have to take him out of that room in a pine box. Mm. <laughs> Ceasefire text line is open to you. The number is 601-879-4395. 601-879-4395. Experiencing fever, cough, sore throat, or shortness of breath, Ceasefire and UMMC are partnering to offer free COVID-19 screening through the Ceasefire Health app for all Mississippians experiencing symptoms. Learn more at ceasefirehealth.com. So I, I got it all planned out. Hey, Dad, next time you're in Oxford, may even need to make a special trip for this. Little uh, little video content in uh, time with no sports. We can make uh, we can make you a sport, or something like that. Sure. Or or something like that. Yeah. Got the perfect place. Um. Can let you shoot. Um, we'll, we'll start with pistols. And get the target set up. Let's shoot uh, twenty-two pistol. Okay. And a nine millimeter. Ooh. And 357 mag. Oh wow, yeah. Dirty Harry style. All right. Well, that's oh, a 44. A 44 it? guy, but yeah. with the kind of the long barrel. Yeah. Um, and then we might even get a rifle or two out. Sounds good. See, uh, see what you can do on that, and we'll, we'll right. video it all. We we'll will play a lot uh, of Red Dead, so I should be pretty good at it, right? I mean, maybe so. Maybe, uh, maybe so. We might even have to ask uh, JT what we what he thinks we should have you shoot. All right, I'll take his I'll take his advice for sure. Richard and Wiggins says his buddy got a fifty caliber sniper rifle. Wow, oof, it's a shoulder breaker, man. And you you start we we got a message a second ago from uh, from Hogman, and it's funny because I've been looking at this a little bit, but he said. That, you know, if you're if you're looking for a gun, 
or starting a collection, then you need to start with the Browning A5 shotgun, which is just, it's like an American classic. They're just expensive. That's a significant investment. But I was just kind of thinking, I mean, so, so Richard sends a message a second ago. The amount of money that you can spend not only buying guns kind of stock, but then outfitting them with all the optics and all the other stuff. I mean, you can quickly, quickly get into the thousands and thousands of dollars. But it's, I mean, I guess there are two ways to look at at guns. One, it's just a collection and it's going to be passed down from generation to generation. And then the other piece would be, um, you're looking at it as an investment where you're going to, you know, buy and sell and trade and whatnot. And, and, and Richard kind of points that out. Um, Borky, you said sounds like a shoulder breaker on the uh, on the fifty cal sniper yeah. rifle. He said more like a wallet breaker. He said the guy's <laughs> probably got twelve grand in that one Ooh. gun. Josh, goodness. Um. Robert in Jackson says we'd be explaining where Rippy is on the air. Yeah, we did that earlier today. Uh, I will uh, will mention again. Yep. So obviously, COVID nineteen has taken its toll on a lot of different industries. The sports industry and the media industry are no different. And unfortunately, Rippy is uh, is no longer with us. Um, just kind of as a result of the uncertainty in the sports world and uh, some of what goes along with that. He is incredibly talented, and I do not say that with one. You know, gave Rippy a lot of grief. I mean, Hey Dad said that he had a doctorate and and whatnot, but he is as bright and as witty and as talented a young writer who is driven to tell stories and tell them well as anyone that I have ever been around, and I am. Incredibly thankful for the almost two years that we had Rippy on the uh, on the show, and we wish him nothing but the best. and And I mean that as genuinely as I can possibly mean it. Uh, nothing but the me- the best in everything that he does going forward. Um, w- without it sounding, I mean, there's no way to sound this without it sounding. Like, oh, you're just saying that, but I think Rippy's got big things in store from him. Whether it's in you know whether or not he stays in the media world and kind of advances in his writing career, or uh, if he's on the radio or doing a podcast, or you know some combination of multimedia stuff altogether. Uh, I think he's got really bright things uh, ahead of him in his future, and uh, wish him nothing but the best. And this is—it's a tough day for all of us because not only was he a coworker, but was uh, was a friend. To, uh, to all of us. So appreciate you uh, asking. There have been a lot of nice things that uh, many of you have said about uh, Rippy and his wit, and uh, you liked him being on the air, and uh, we did as well. So uh, appreciate you uh, reaching out on that front. Chris Lamonis is going to join us on the Farm Bureau phone line coming up a, a little less than 10 minutes from right now. Head baseball coach at uh, Mississippi State who had to uh, play 17 games of a 56-game season and then wonder what would have been. And uh, there are a lot of us that wonder what would have been. You realize that today is the day that we might have had one or two super regionals still hanging in the balance. Why do you have yeah, to do thought that about to that. Us? 
thought about it all weekend. I was just like, you know, this should have been Super Regional weekend. Should have been up at Diddy Noble. Would have liked, would have thought, I think I would have been up at, at Diddy Noble uh, this past weekend uh, watching baseball. Maybe getting ready for another trip to Omaha. You know, certainly I think two weekends ago, there was a really, really good chance that Ole Miss and Mississippi State would have been hosting regionals and that all three teams in the state of Mississippi would have been playing regional baseball. Um, man, how cool would it have been if both had advanced to super regionals as well, both both Ole Miss and Mississippi State. And, you know, you, you never know. I mean, Southern Miss, if they had caught the right draw as a two seed in the right regional, um, assuming they didn't end up playing themselves into a host, which could very well have happened, um, but, Could have ended up at Georgia Tech and very easily made it out of there. Oh, are you kidding me? That Charmin Saw Factory? Jeez. You wonder where all the toilet paper is, why there was a toilet paper shortage. That's because it was all in Georgia Tech's baseball stadium. One of my favorite running jokes. You like that, don't you? I love how fired up you get about Georgia Tech baseball. Yeah. It's just that I just only do it for you now. Uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you could have seen all three schools in uh, in super regionals, uh, perhaps with multiple uh, super regional hosts as well. You you are convinced, hey Dad, that Mississippi State made that turn when they went to Biloxi, and it was about to get fun. I, th- I think so. I, th- I think that the Texas Southern game was 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 going to be the outlier when it was all said and done. I, I felt like they had they had figured some things out and, and were about to get going. Yeah. So we will uh, we'll talk to Chris Lamonis primarily. I mean, we're not going to spend a bunch of time going, well, what might have been. I may kind of ask him about that. But uh, we'll talk to him about the draft and how different this year's draft is where it's just five rounds. Um, but certainly he's got some guys who we anticipate are going to have their names called and may very well have their names called early. How, how much mock draft scouting have you done at this point? Hey, Dad. Well, uh, we talked to Keith Law. Uh, last week on the Thunder and Lightning podcast, and and so I got a lot of good information out of him on that. Uh, you know, by and large, I expect Austin Hendrick to be the first Bulldog taken. He's just a you know high school kid who was committed, uh, but he's uh, he's consistently projected in the top twenty. And then it's just you know what mock draft are you looking at? You might see Foskey or Westberg, and then there's JT Ginn, who uh, Keith Law had in his second mock draft going to the Yankees in the first round. I had him dropped out of the first round in his third mock draft, and it's just a question of it's going to be another signability question with him. That's what they're saying. That you know he he he's even though he's coming off the injury, he still wants to make good money. And if he doesn't, he knows he's got you know another couple fallback years at Mississippi State if he has to do that. Yeah, not a bad fallback. No. We will, uh, later in the 4 o'clock hour, get to winners and losers, what you saw that you liked and didn't like from the uh, from the weekend. So that is coming up a little bit later. But when we return, we are scheduled to visit with Chris Lamonis. He's the head baseball coach at Mississippi State. That's coming up in uh, just a couple of minutes. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming online at supertalk.fm and uh, supertalktv.com if you want to watch it. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky on this Monday. Happy to be joined by Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State on the Farm Bureau phone line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Coach, will you be happy when we get to the point where you don't have like little reminders that, that pop up every weekend or every couple of weeks that, oh, this might have been going on at this point? 
Yeah, I think uh, Sunday was a really tough one for me, knowing that was Super Regional Sunday. and yeah, We had such an unbelievable Super Regional here last year. Uh, I, it was a uh, not a lot of fun sitting around thinking about what could have been. But um, I'll, I'll be happy when this draft is over and I know what my new team looks like. So I think a lot of us college baseball coaches are sitting around just, just kind of waiting and on hold. What have you been doing for the last couple of months? Well, I've been doing a lot of yard work when it started, and then when that <laughs> finished, um, I've become a really bad golfer and just become a bad golfer during this time. So we play a couple days a week, me and the coaches, coaches on staff, and then I live out on a lake, so we've been trying to fish a little bit too. So I'm just trying to make the most of the time. And, um, you know, in between, it's a lot of phone calls and some Zoom calls and different things. But um, just trying to keep the days busy. You know, we work so much and used to being – you know, going and moving, and then all of a sudden life stops and, and you're not doing anything, it's been a little tough. Yeah, those are the things that, like, even when you love what you're doing, you, you kind of sometimes wish you had a weekend where you could just work in the yard or just go fishing or play golf, but when that's all you've got to do, it's like, man, I sure would like to go back to work. Or at least I'm assuming it's that's like right. that. Well, we'll always appreciate work now. I can tell you every college baseball coach, because – um, you do. It gets to be long at times, and it's just a cycle. It starts again every year right after the season, and um, it's been a been a little break. But I think we're all ready to get back to work and get on the road and recruit, or or even do summer camps and and different things like that. We'd like to get back to the normal schedule, like everyone, I'm sure. You mentioned a second ago the draft, and and I, I was fascinated by the the words that you use, so that you can know what your team is going to be next year. This is a year where. It is likely that the draft is not only going to affect your current roster, but your future roster as well. With with some guys that you've got signed, what are you anticipating on Wednesday? You know, I'm hoping for a great day. I mean, when we sell recruiting to our kids here. It's you know, hey man, we want you to you know move up in the draft and be ready for pro ball. And you know, we have some guys in house right now, and uh, you know, Justin Foscue and Jordan Westberg and. JT Ginn, you know, we got some different guys out there that are getting a lot of hype here, um, you know, for the draft. And, <clears throat> excuse me, I'm hoping it's a great day for those guys. Hey, Coach Brian Haydad here. You mentioned JT Ginn. To me, he's he's sort of the wild card in all this. You could see him easily being a first round pick again, or you know, teams might be, be might have shy away from him because of the injury. Just sort of a two part question: How much has being away from Starkville? What has that done with his rehab? How have you been able to keep up with what he's doing? And if he does return next season, what, what's his role for Mississippi State? Well, I, um, you know, we took care. We have a handful of rehab guys, so our trainer, Jason Wire, is awesome. And he set that up. JT has something back there at home. I think JT's mom told me he set up the entire garage as a gym for during COVID. So um, knowing JT, he's been working out really hard and getting after it. Um, and then next year, we play by year. I mean, I, I doubt, you know, as guys rehab, it's in smaller stints. So um, probably start with an inning at a time and move from there. Um, but it would be on his schedule, you know, being the, the type of prospect that he is and where he's at. It would have to be on JT's schedule and the protocol that we get from his doctors um, to get him back. So um, there's a lot up in the air with him. It's a, it's a little different scenario. Um, but whenever any, anybody calls me, any pro scout, I tell them, one of the best guys I've ever coached. And I've had a chance to coach some really good guys. Um, so I'm hoping, you know, hoping for good news for JT this week. Coach, when you've got a guy like 
and I, I think, tell me if I'm wrong. Can I ask you about a guy that's committed, but you're not entirely sure? I mean, they, we're far enough down the line in terms of commitment, and if he comes to college, he's playing to you, right? Right. I think okay, so, so, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I just didn't want to get you in trouble by asking something that you couldn't answer. Austin Hendrick, unbelievably talented player and really projects highly. What's the balancing act when you're recruiting a player like that that you know could go very high in the draft, but you still want to bring kids like that into your program if you've even got a shot? Yeah, well, it's, uh, you know, for me taking over with the job, we have him and Blaze Jordan, were two of the really that you hear about a lot. It's, it's just about building a relationship. And sometimes um, if you take a motion out of the draft, it's you set a line and you say, this is where I'd like to go. And, and then if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, it doesn't. And, and that's what we're dealing with with all the kids that we're dealing with around the draft right now. So um, what you're seeing in most of the mock drafts or anything like that, Austin has put himself in a spot where, you know, he has a chance to be an early first-rounder. And, um, yeah. you know, the whole process here is about getting you to the big leagues and, but one of the biggest ways to get to the big leagues is to be a first-rounder. And if Austin has that opportunity, we're excited for him. On the other side of that coin, you got some good news this weekend that Kellum Clark, uh, big infielder from, from Jackson Academy, is going to forego the draft and come to Mississippi State. That's a guy who, if we had a normal draft going on, you probably would have been sweating his decision. How big is that for you to get him on campus? Huge. Huge. It's a power bat. It's a, um, you know, it's a kid who loves Mississippi State. And, and, and all our kids love Mississippi State, but that was one of the things. He, he committed a couple of years ago and comes up here to camps and hangs out and games and, um, and you just get it in your blood and you want to, you want to experience it. And, uh, we're excited because, uh, we need a big bat. He plays the corner infield. He plays corner out, but he actually does pitch. Um, but we'll probably use him more as a hitter right out the, right out the gate. But, um, it was exciting to see and, I told him, I said, well, it's going to make our fans excited, and I think they probably blew up his social media um, <laughs> after he did. But, um, you know, good for him. He deserves it, and, you know, we're looking forward to his development as he gets here to Starkville. Chris Lamonis, head baseball coach at Mississippi State. You, you said a second ago that, that part of what you recruit players for is to try and help them to get to that next level. And, you know, depending on which projection you look at, uh, you got a couple of guys that are on the team right now that are projected to to be potential first rounders in in Foscue and and Westburg as well. What is it like as a coach to be able to watch guys kind of hit that pinnacle and and achieve the dream that they've had since you know they were probably I, I don't know maybe as young as seven or eight years old to to have a chance to go to the big leagues. Well, it's pretty cool, and it's um, you know last year when we started, I wouldn't have told you. Um, they're both very, they're best friends, the two of them, and they work extremely hard, probably overwork if you said anything about those two. And, and watching them grow last year, and for me, the really cool moment was, is, you know, I had a chance after Omaha last year to go Team USA. And when you're sitting there watching them scrimmage or, or playing a game with the USA uniform on, and, and they're both out there playing together, and you're like, wow, this is pretty cool. And, and every scouting director, every general manager is in the stands. Um, you know you're seeing something special. And, and those two kids deserve um, every piece of this, you know, that they're getting right now because, of the, you know, they just really get after it. And they're really good players. Very different players, but uh, very good players. 
Chris, we we got a couple of minutes left, and I, I'd love to get your thoughts on this proposal that's floating around about pushing the college baseball season back. I, I think you're coming at it from kind of a unique perspective, having been an assistant at Louisville and having coached in the Midwest at, at Indiana and Big Ten country, and now being in the SEC where it's probably not as advantageous. But what, what's your thought on this conversation around pushing the season back and it being a, a driver for maybe the growth of the game but also the financial growth of the game? Well, it, um, you know, like I said, being from Indiana probably was more, and we weren't even, we were the most southern Big Ten team. But, man, you were on the road for four weeks, and it was a hard four weeks. And I know other schools like Michigan, they're on the road almost six weeks before the season starts, and that doesn't guarantee that you're going to have good weather when you get back, you know, from those trips. And so I, I totally get that piece and, and trying to make our game, you know, bring in more of the Power Five teams that, and, and teams from all over the country to, to be able to, you know, equalize it out a little bit. I, I just don't know. You know, for us, I tell people right now, it really doesn't affect us either way too much. I, I If we play in the middle of the summer, our fans are still showing up. If we play early, I think we had 12,000 for one of those games against Oregon State in February. So, you know, it's really, you know, as, as a Mississippi State coach, it doesn't affect us too much, but – you know, I think there's some different things you have to look at across the board. I mean, I played at the Citadel, so the Citadel, you start competing against pro baseball. We lose summer baseball. You know, the, at the Citadel, we played in the pro park, so you were sharing just a little bit of time. Now you're going to have to share the whole season, you know. And so yeah. I know from mid-majors around the south, it becomes a little bit tougher. So I think we have to research it. I think it's something very good to bring up. I wish it wasn't four weeks but I think it may have to be four weeks because of TV. You know, one reason we've never moved back is because of Wimbledon. So ESPN does, you know, the College World Series, then it moves to Wimbledon. So that's kind of what's throwing. That's why it has. It can't go back a week or two. It has to go back four weeks. So um, I'm open ears to everything, and, and I get it from both sides. Like I said, it's not a huge, you know, difference maker for us here right now. But um, at other stops along the way, it was a pretty big difference, you know, and so I, I, if I was in Indiana, I'd be fighting for it um, for sure. Coach, really appreciate Hope your time. Hope that Yeah, it's a fantastic answer and great insight. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks so much. Thanks, guys. Take care. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm Monday afternoon. It's raining. Did you get some rain in Starkville today, hey, Dad? Oh, yeah. Yeah, plenty of it, too. Yeah. And Borky popping in Jackson as well? Yeah, got a ton overnight. It's been intermittently raining all afternoon, really. Yeah, it, rained, it rained a lot last night here. Yeah. We somehow didn't really get anything last night, I guess just farther north and far enough, far, far enough west in the uh, in the state. But it was... Like I said earlier, it was dry enough that I was able to sneak out and cut the grass this morning. In the rain, light rain though, and it needed it. So I was glad to uh, glad to get that done. Um, really good conversation with Chris Lamonis. It's the first time I'd heard the connection between college baseball, the College World Series, and Wimbledon as yeah. a reason for pushing it back a month. Yeah, I, I didn't I didn't know uh, that was a thing. So if you ask me what I learned today later. That's what's makes sense, be. though, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, 
everybody is sort of beholden to the to the TV networks and the money they put in. And so when they tell you, hey, you got to be done by this time because we got to move on to the next thing, well, if you want to get that money, you're going to really have a lot of choices. Well, yeah, and asking ESPN to pick between the College World Series and Wimbledon. They're not, believe it or not, in this state, I know people are going to have trouble believing it, but they're going to pick Wimbledon. 100 times out of 100, the College World Series will finish in second place. Yeah. Just will. Yeah. I mean, it's not even close in terms of ratings and number of people. And you're talking about an international... I mean, it's the biggest tennis tournament in the world. Yeah, I, and I if you want think... to make an argument for the U.S. Open or the French Open or the Australian Open, fine. But there, there's no nobody, nothing is more recognizable to non-tennis fans than Wimbledon. Right. Yeah. People. I don't think people really truly understand it's because everybody in this state is such a huge baseball fan. How small college baseball is on the radar of of when you talk about national sports. Significantly smaller than yeah. women's college softball. Yeah. A lot of people, you know, with Mississippi State being in women's college basketball, things have been well there, and they talk about how it's, it's irrelevant. Well, it's a lot more relevant than college baseball is on a national scale. What In terms of television? Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's part of the conversation about college baseball and, and what these coaches are getting behind. They understand the importance of growing college baseball financially. But women's basketball is not profitable. College baseball is not going to get to the point where it moves the needle in terms of profitability. I mean, even, even at the, the handful of schools that operate in the black in college baseball, and what, it, what we've said that number was half a dozen or something like yeah, that. Or it is, it the is SEC. A, it's a legit handful it's it's not more than that right and i mean even even vanderbilt who pays tim corbin probably more than any college baseball coach in america makes that they are break even arkansas makes money a&m makes money ole miss makes money lsu makes money and mississippi state is going to make money if they're not right now but they've also got a 60 million dollar baseball stadium that they're paying right there's some debt being paid off And, and and so that that factors in texas makes money that's it maybe one other program but, I mean, the University of Florida, who won a national championship three years ago, they don't operate in the black. And they're about to build a new stadium. Moving into. It's yeah. done. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, the, so, I, I guess the only point that I was making there was even those schools that are profitable, it's not like they're profitable to the tune of five, six, ten million dollars. It's... A few hundred thousand dollars, a million dollars, maybe a couple of million dollars at LSU. That's it. Yeah. Which is better than being, you know, that much money in the opposite direction, obviously. But the idea is to try and get a bunch of these programs a whole lot closer to kind of a level where they're not a drain. And then for some of the programs that are making money, allow them to make more money for the departments. So uh, interesting stuff. Borky? We were supposed to do this at the uh, top of the hour. Let's do it right now instead. It is Monday. It's time for Winners and Losers. We got winners. We got losers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. What did you like from the weekend? What did you dislike from the weekend? 601-879-4395. That's the C Spire text line. Let us know what you are thinking. Hey, Dad, give me a winner. 
man, I don't, not a whole lot going on. I got, I'm going to go back to last week. I'm going to talk about my, my, my team again, Chelsea. Like we said, they have uh, they the past few years they've sort of been out of the uh, the big money business for whatever reason. They had a couple of big deals uh, three years ago that just they didn't pan out. Uh, and then, you know, the first part of this year, I'm sure you know this, Richard, they were on the transfer ban, couldn't do any business of any kind uh, in the first part of the year. But it looks like they're getting back to the old ways of tossing money around, and uh, I expect next year's team to be a uh, a good one. They've already added uh, Hakim Zayek from Ajax. Now they've got Timo Warner from RB Leipzig coming in. And it looks like one more big-time player, uh, Ben Chilwell from Leicester City, is going to be trying to make that move as well. So I'm very excited. One of my teams looks like they're uh, they're on the up and up. Credit where it is due in terms mm-hmm. of the winners category. Yeah. Nobody saw this coming. Nobody saw the NC Dinos four games out in front in the KBO standings. They are twenty-three and six. Four games in front of my Dusan Bears. Five in front of the LG Twins. Hey, Dad's Lante Giants are uh, trending in the opposite direction now. Fourteen and fifteen on the year. Doosan having trouble making up ground. They've won four out of their last five. The problem is the team in front of them, NC, the Dinos, they've won five in a row. So credit where it's due. The Dinos playing some great baseball, really swinging the bats. If, if we do Long have an season, MLB though. season, if we do have an MLB season, the Giants I cheer for there will probably trend the wrong direction too. So just getting used to it. I'm enjoying my NC Dinos hat, by the way. Are you? Yeah. Yeah. I thought you got the, the Bears hat. I'm sorry. Yes, I did not just jump ship to the uh, the the bandwagon of the NC Dinos. My Doosan Bears hat, I am enjoying. Okay. Why aren't you, you need to wear that one show? I should. Should uh, what am I? What am I got on today? Show it off. Yeah, you got the old Waverly hat today. Yeah. Shout out to the Golden Triangle. Hard to uh, hard to beat that spot. Borky, give me a winner. Uh, two winners, same thing. So two medical reports, whatever you want to call them, released this weekend. We mentioned them earlier, but I think it bears repeating. The who? Uh, not just the World Health Organization, which again, you know, I know there are a lot of people that are out on the World Health Organization, and I, I certainly understand why, but compound their reporting today that those that are asymptomatic carriers of coronavirus are very unlikely to give it to other people. And then you get this um, the doctor, he's the chair of, let me make sure I get this right. He's the chair of. not a, Fauci, is it? It is not Fauci. It is uh, Donald Yealy, the chair of emergency medicine at the University of Pennsylvania Medical Center, uh, said today that uh, cases are, are going down as far as like percent positives, which we've known for a little while, but percent positives are going down in people that are infected. Hold on, that's not what the news reported this morning. That's not what the news reported this morning, is <laughs> it? Amazing how you can manipulate data to uh, come to your own conclusion. But this Take is Take that for data. Yeah. <laughs> what? David Fisdale, didn't he get fired in New York as well? I think he's still there as of today. Been a tough fall uh, for that guy since that emotional press conference. But uh, the chair of emergency medicine at UPenn, the medical center at University of Pennsylvania, said that the the positives that they are getting are less severe. So not only are there percent positives going down, the ones that are positive are less severe, and he also echoed the World Health Organization's notes so really good day from the coronavirus front it's kind of taken a backseat to everything else going on but if you're a sports fan like well you're a sports fan this is all just good news for the upcoming football season yeah 
So I'm going to see where the stock market closed today. Um, it's kind of on the winner's list, isn't it? Dow closes up almost two points. S&P, 100, uh, S&P 500 up uh, 1.2, and NASDAQ up a little over a point as well. The, the, the surge in the stock market is remarkable. It's back to uh, positive for the year, right? I believe that's so. true. I don't have the year-long data in front of me. I do know that the the list of people who go, I was down 31% three months ago, like when this thing blew up and the stock market kind of cratered, are either now positive from where they were or almost back to all square, which is pretty darn incredible. We'll get to some losers as well when we come back. Plus, any winners and losers you may have from the weekend. That is coming up next at Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Continuing winners and losers from the weekend. If you would uh, like to contribute, let's do it. Um, here's one that says NFL is the loser. They are turning Kaepernick into a hero. That was fascinating, yeah. uh, wasn't it? Uh, and very good PR move, by the way, dropping that video at like 6.30 Eastern on a Friday. Great news dump. Fantastic news dump. Like PR 101 type stuff right there. That's why they're the best. That's why they're the money makers, the NFL. But they basically, I mean, they they didn't admit, Roger Goodell said he was wrong, but they didn't admit that they like blackballed Kaepernick or or anything like that. But I'm surprised they went that far in doing so. And maybe that's just to keep their players happy. I don't know, but... They need to be prepared, and maybe this is step number one, but they need to be prepared for the same thing that happened four years ago. Uh, On a much bigger scale, I think every team, every player will kneel. It's going week, to be a lot week more one, than a few. And then we'll see. It's, I think it's going to be all, the whole teams. You know, It's, it's going to be interesting to see how that pans out. You but think I'll be during surprised. the national anthem? Yes. yes. That's what I think, yes. Yep. It's coming. And, 100%. And what... Honestly, what I expect they're going to do, you don't see the anthem anyway. Unless you're watching the NFC or AFC Championship game or the Super Bowl, Super Bowl, they've usually not shown it. And I think it'll be up to the broadcast networks. If I'm Fox or CBS, I'm not showing it. I'm not. Because what you saw four years ago, and people told you you were crazy if you thought this, but there was a direct correlation between a ratings drop and then the anthem protest, direct correlation, because those stopped and ratings went back up. Ratings Do you were think good. the NFL will ask its broadcast partners not to show it? I have a feeling they will. And it's the not NFL like that's going to stop it from getting out because people go yeah. to the games and people, you know, social media and whatnot. But Local media will, will take video of the national anthem and show it on their news broadcast, and it'll make its way to social media from there. And We're yeah. all going to see it, but it, we won't see it at 12.02 p.m. on Sunday. Um, Kevin says, winners, all keepers of the grill. Darren and Jackson says, if I know they're kneeling, I'm not watching, period. You're not watching, then. Um, 
and they're going to take yeah. a hit for it. I, I mean, I'm one of those people. I don't care. I, yeah. Neil, for the protest, I'm still watching the NFL. I, I just I love it so much. It's not going to bother me. But we learned that there are people that are going to tune it out, and they need to be prepared for it because it's going to happen. I've got a loser, and I want to tread carefully here. But I think we are on an incredibly slippery slope right now. And I'm pointing to the situation that's going on at the University of Iowa. Where the strength and conditioning coach, who, by the way, is the highest highest paid strength and conditioning coach in the country, that's really immaterial to this story, though has been put on administrative leave based on the account of some former players who, if I've read this story correctly, everything I've read and seen about this, there is no allegation of racial epithets or um, derogatory terms from this coach to players But there are some players who have iterated the fact that they didn't like how they were treated by him. That, I don't know if it's a language issue or just the way they were talked to. I think we're in a dangerous spot, though, where if you do your job in a way that I don't particularly like, even if it's effective and it's not derogatory, but it kind of bothers me or it hurts my feelings a little bit, then I've got the ability to speak out via social media and could cost you your job. Now, you guys correct me. Is there something I'm missing in this story that has come out that I've not seen so far? More and more keeps coming out, so it's possible, but it seems like you've got a pretty good grasp of it, yeah. I think that it's, I could be wrong. I think it's a situation where they didn't, he may not have used racial terms, but he used racial terms, if that's if you understand what I'm saying. Like, he didn't come out and drop the N-word or anything, but he, he, he used some, uh, offensive's not the right word, but he used some, some language that that he shouldn't have used. There's a quote from a former Iowa football player, James Daniels, who now plays for the Chicago Bears, is quoted as saying, there are too many racial disparities in the Iowa football program. Black players have been treated unfairly for far too long. And so maybe it's a general way in which he was treated. I'm not defending Chris Doyle here. I just think we're in a a pretty precarious position as a society right now in terms of backlash before we know all the facts. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. Richard Cross, Brian Haydad, and Michael Borky with you on this Monday afternoon. The C Spire text line is open. That number is 601 601- 879-4395. Equip your organization for simple, successful business continuity with a work from anywhere toolkit from Seaspire Business. It features powerful resources like UC1 and Office 365. With Seaspire Business, it's easy to give your team the goals, I'm sorry, the tools to get things done 
no matter where they are. Share files in seconds, chat on any device, meet virtually, and a whole lot more. It's all over secure cloud-based solutions with dedicated local support. Get your organization remote work ready today at cspire.com slash business. Again, the number is 601-879-4395. It's time right now for the College Football Fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Log on to buyfordnow.com. Find out why the best-selling trucks are built Ford Tough. Remember, Ford, when they were asked to, they built. They built masks. They built ventilators. They helped with PPE, and now they are here to serve you. Nice savings on the entire lineup of Ford vehicles. You can test drive one at your local Mississippi Ford dealer. So the college football fix, we alluded to this at the end of the last segment, and we'll get into the story just a little bit more. Uh, This version of it is from CBS Sports. You can read about the Iowa situation in a bunch of different places. Iowa placed their strength and conditioning coach Chris Doyle on administrative leave on Saturday pending an independent investigation after multiple uh, former players gave voice to negative experiences that they and other black players have had in the Hawkeyes program through the years. On Sunday, Chris Doyle released a statement that vehemently denied the allegations. In the statement, he said he was proud of the former players for speaking out and that after giving feedback to players during his 21 years in the program, he was now receiving feedback himself and he's choosing not to hide and then closed his statement by issuing this denial. I have been asked to remain silent, but that is impossible for me to do. He went to Twitter for this. There have been statements made about my behavior that are not true. I do not claim to be perfect. I've made mistakes, learned lessons, and like every American citizen, can do better. At no time have I ever crossed the line of unethical behavior or bias based upon race. I do not make comments, and I don't tolerate people who do. He expressed confidence that the independent review of his time at Iowa would prove this to be true. And the statement refers to, um, that Doyle refers to first appeared, or the statements that he refers to first appeared from the guy that we mentioned earlier, offensive lineman James Daniels, who is now a member of the Chicago Bears, and was joined by other former players sharing similar stories, many of which centered on situations involving Doyle. On Friday night, Daniels tweeted, there are too many racial disparities in the Iowa football program. Black players have been treated unfairly for far too long. Those sentiments were shared by other former Hawkeyes, including Amani Hooker, who now plays for the Tennessee Titans. He was quoted as saying this, I remember whenever walking into the facility, it would be difficult for black players to walk around the facility and be themselves, as if the way you grew up was the wrong way or wasn't acceptable and that you would be judged by that, and it would impact playing time. Uh, Another player, Marcel Jolie, tweeted about how coaches told him that having so many tattoos, quote, wasn't the Iowa culture or the Iowa way, close quote. Kirk Ferentz initially released a statement on Friday that said he was saddened to hear the comments from the players, but he was thankful that they were sharing them with him and then announced the decision to place Doyle on administrative leave, calling it, quote, a defining moment for the Iowa program. And then there was this quote in a video on social media from Kirk Ferentz. 
I've spoken with Coach Doyle about the allegations posted on social media. They're troubling and have created a lasting impact on those players. Therefore, Coach Doyle has been placed on administrative review immediately while an independent review can take place. He and I agree that all parties have to have their voices heard and then a decision about how we move forward will take place. There's been a call for a cultural shift in our program. I'm creating an advisory committee chaired by a former player and comprised of current and former players as well as departmental staff. This will be a diverse group that will be able to share without judgment so that we can all examine where we are today and how we can have a better environment tomorrow. Doyle has been the strength and conditioning coach since 1999 at Iowa. What do you make of this? So I'm not an Iowa football player, and I have not been since 1999. However, especially now, as you alluded to before we went into the break and came back with this, um, during these times, it's very quick to have an accusation and then just jump on it and then the information comes out later and I've read through a lot of these accusations while a lot of them are not good like things that a strength and conditioning coach of a young man should not do um, mock him in certain ways in front of his teammates things like that you know things that you just shouldn't do as an adult man trying to mentor a college kid but I am missing where the racism is occurring. And maybe I, like I, I've got an article in front of me with a lot of examples, and I've read through them, and, and some of them are not good. And this dude, you know, maybe doesn't treat his players very well. I'm not going to not believe them. But when you say he promoted an atmosphere of racism, where's the example of that part of it? Because that is an accusation that that is that that sticks with somebody and if it's real it should be out there and, and you should not have a job if you are if you are a racist especially treating people of a different color in a way that is not the same as somebody of a different color you should not be a strength coach of a college football team if you are a, a racist man but but richard am i missing something i, I read these examples and and i i'm not seeing that and so when the accusation of this man's a racist is levied against him there has to be an example that shows that he is a racist, and maybe I'm missing the example. I just I don't see it here, and that's a that's an accusation that that you can never get rid of, and yeah. you better have an example, or else you could ruin this guy's life for just being a jerk instead of something far worse. To to me, the story just raises lots of questions, and I applaud Kirk Ferentz for saying. We're going to get answers to these questions, and we're going to do it in a fair way. When I mentioned this for the losers category a second ago, it had nothing to do with Chris Doyle particularly or the Iowa football players, former players who are claiming that um, that it was hard to be a black man, a black male in the Iowa football program. That, that doesn't go on the losers list for me. It's... What some people call the cancel culture, I, I'm weary of that. Where if you do something, immediately there is an online rush to fire him, fire him, tar and feather him, kill him, get rid of him, 
go after his family, go after his job, go after his livelihood. I think people who do wrong should be held accountable for the wrong that they do. But before we have an entire story, let's gather the facts and be sure that we're getting this right before we start destroying people's lives. I am not drawing a comparison to the reaction of the police officer in Minnesota who had his knee on the throat of George Floyd and killed him. I'm not drawing a comparison between those two things. You can see what happened there. It was reprehensible. And the I, I don't begrudge anyone who had an immediate judgment. And if anything, it may have taken longer than it should have for the legal authorities in Minnesota to bring significant charges against Officer Chauvin. So I'm not equating those two things. I'm going bigger picture in terms of the somebody does something that I don't like, I want to go after them with everything I have on social media to try to ruin their life. I'm weary of that. I got one more thought on this. And at the expense of sounding like it's talking out of both sides of my mouth, I, I want to get to this when we come back. Because you may, or, if you were with us last week, you may or may not remember me making a reference to, good grief, it's been two decades ago now, when I played high school football. Because, the well, let me just hold that thought. And we'll get to that when we come back. And would love to hear your reaction as well. Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. We'll take a quick timeout. We'll be right back. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm. So I said I wanted to kind of continue the thought. We were talking about the story with Iowa football and allegations of, if not outright overt racism, at least racial undertones with the way some players were treated. And I mentioned last week, I I made reference to the high school football team that I was on. Uh, When I was at Oxford, I don't know this. So I graduated in the fall or the spring of 1999. So the the fall of 98 was my senior year. And I don't know this for a fact. I'm going to say that the racial breakdown in our school was roughly – probably somewhere between 60-40 and 70-30 white to black at the time. I think the breakdown in the Oxford School District now is in the 60-40-ish range, white versus minority. And I would say that the makeup of our football team was probably maybe 60-40 in the other direction. But my wife and I were having a conversation about high school in general over the weekend. And she was just kind of talking about how good her high school experience was. And I said, you know, thinking back, so many of my memories, the majority of the memories, when I think about my time in high school, are football memories. And being part of a team. And I would argue or submit that There is little that is more sacred 
than the the bonds and the relationships you build in the locker room of a team sport. And I'm talking about specifically my high school football experience. Maybe I have selective memory. Maybe I was naive. But I don't remember any racial overtones whatsoever. None. I had friends that looked different than me. Had my 20th high school reunion last year, and some of the people that I was most looking forward to seeing and talking to are former high school teammates. And it had nothing to do with the color of their skin. We had a um, a guy that I graduated with, Jonathan Shaw. You may remember that name. He was a uh, he was a running back and a linebacker. Went on to play at Northwest. Was an outside linebacker. Led the country in interceptions either his freshman or sophomore year, and then went from there to Middle Tennessee State to play. One of the greatest dudes I've ever been around. Just a fantastic guy. We didn't have the same skin color. Had a offensive lineman who was a dear friend. His name was Robert Vaughn. Hadn't seen him in years. Rode home with me from school after football practice a couple of days a week. Absolutely think the world of him. And I say all that to say, and, and this is the part where it sounds like it might be I might be talking out of both parts of my mouth. Or both sides of my mouth, I guess would be the expression. If there was a feeling going on in the Iowa locker room that was not inclusive, that wasn't supportive of a brotherhood that didn't matter what you looked like, that was all about winning and building relationships and building bonds and working together, if there was anything other than that, especially if it's an environment that was being promoted that was anything other than that by someone in a position of authority, good for these players for speaking out, even if they are former players and they're not part of it. And I've heard it. I mean, I've seen people go, well, you know, if this has been going on since 1999, why didn't they speak up sooner? Maybe they didn't feel like they could. Maybe the things that are happening right now in our world and in our society have emboldened people to speak up for things that they believe in that they didn't feel like they could speak up for in the past. And I don't know if there's a greater point in all of this other than to kind of go back to where I started. A a team sport locker room might be the last place on the planet where when it's done right, Nothing matters other than working together. Because when you run 18 gassers at the end of an August practice, man, everybody looks the same when they're bent over throwing up at one end of the practice football field. You're all in dirty, nasty, smelly jerseys. You've been going as hard as you can for a couple of hours. Everybody's wearing the same helmets that are the same color. That's all that matters.
And I hope that's still the case. Maybe I'm old. But isn't that kind of the crux of what team sports are all about? You guys played on teams in high school. Maybe your experiences were different than mine. Maybe they were the same. But anyway, I just wanted to share that. Mine seemed to be the same as yours. I went to a a pretty racially diverse public high school. I I would say off the top of my head, probably 60-40, white to minority, mostly black. And our locker room was the same. I mean, we had we had more black guys on our team than white guys on, on my high school football team. So I was, I'm, I'm with you. It, it, I, and again, I could have just been naive. I mean, we had somebody text that said the same thing, um, but I don't remember anything like that. I, I just don't. It, it's lost on me, and it, we didn't get it from coaches either. I didn't notice it from coaches because we had a handful of minority coaches. So. I didn't see it myself. I don't remember that happening. I guess maybe it's possible it was there, but my experience seems to be very similar to yours. Our coaches had the uh, the full metal jacket uh, principle. We were all equally worthless. That's how, <laughs> they, that's how they treated us. Yeah, I mean, it's it's different when you're on a team. You definitely have different uh, perceptions of you know of what the outside world is versus what's inside the locker room. But then, you know, I guess as you get older, you know, maybe things that, you know, at the time didn't seem like a big deal, the more you reflect on it. You know, I don't have a problem with people going back. I don't want to call, I don't want revisionist history now. I don't want somebody to, you know, take something that, that was, and blow it out of proportion. But if they were uncomfortable at the time, I mean, I, I get that, you know, in, in the year 2000, when you're a college football player who wants to hold on to his scholarship and wants to try to make it to the NFL. You know, maybe maybe you don't say anything, but when you're a grown man and you've gotten away, and now you feel like you're empowered to do so, you you, you want to go back and revisit it. So, but that said, going back to the the segment before this, I, I'm in agreement with Borky in that reading what we're reading here, I, I I'm not seeing uh, a whole lot of, of racism in there. But that said, they're going to do an independent review. Maybe it will come out, and we'll find out a little bit more about it. If there really was, if this culture did exist. <laughs> I'm sorry, Borky, I'm not right. laughing at what you said. I'm laughing at a text from Tim. This kind of goes along with what Haydad said just a second ago. He says, we didn't have any problems in my school. Class of 1984, Tupelo High. Our coaches called all of us pond scum. <laughs> yeah. I promise you, the white guys and the black guys on my team, we, 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 got, we got run up and down the field just as much as anybody else. Yeah, and the one Arab guy. So, <laughs> wait, who is that? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> yeah, I know. I know what you mean. No, I vividly remember Borky, uh, one of my high school coaches. Um, vividly remember him saying, "The only colors on this football field or in this locker room are blue and gold." Now, at the time, that sounds a little cliche. Okay, what motivational book did he read today? There's something to that. Especially when you're not, 17. Yeah, I mean, it's not black and white and brown and any other skin tones that may be out there. Richard and Wiggins texted a second ago, and he said, skin color is pigmentation. That's it. We only have different levels of it. 
He goes on to say he that his roommates in the Army were black. He said, we were brothers. The only color was camo. So he see, Richard was reading from the same motivational book that <laughs> high school football coaches were le- reading from. It seems like when it's about achieving a common goal, you can get people to work together. Maybe I don't know. Maybe that's how we get to a better place as a country. Kind of hard when we're as divided politically as we are. But what if everybody was working toward the same goal? Might see something special. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi. Monday afternoon, new week. Glad to have you along. Um, Ross Dellinger tweeted something that I saw pop up on my uh, timeline a minute ago that was uh, a little encouraging. If you are so inclined to um, look at encouraging news, not everybody is. Some are. The NCAA Football Oversight Committee is set to approve this week a preseason practice plan that will include walkthroughs with a ball starting in mid to late July. The plan, which is now in ink, is being circulated to schools. More progress toward an on-time kickoff. He went on to say leaders are now turning attention to protocols for practice and sidelines. Some believe that coaches 65 and over should wear masks during games. Nick Saban, by the way, is 68. As for camp, some coaches plan to hold two to four practices a day with different players to keep group sizes small. Conference commissioners are exploring in-season universal testing protocols. The latest discussions involve a road team testing each of its athletes Friday morning before it departs. Both teams would then conduct tests Saturday morning before the game. Uh, I have a question. If the World Health Organization and what, what what university was it? University of Pennsylvania. So if the if the WHO and Penn were right, testing doesn't matter anymore, does it? Doesn't sound if, that way, does it? Hold on a second. If if asymptomatic carriers are not contagious. Then don't you only test people who are showing symptoms? That would be the logical answer. However, they're going to have to do things this fall that are for show, for lack of a better term. And so they're going to have to do it this way regardless because that's that's for show. If they have an asymptomatic player in the World Health Organization and says that you are more likely to uh, you know, getting a car accident on the way to getting your test, then passing your asymptomatic positive on to somebody else, they're still going to have a have to sit the player and and do all of the protocols and everything, even though it it appears that more evidence 
goes in the favor of not having to do all that. They're still going to do it anyway for optics, no matter what the evidence says. I mean, if this report, hey, Dad, turns out to be right, then basically the um, the instructions transition to if you're sick, stay home. Yeah, and that's got to be a, a hard and fast rule there, right? If you're if you're sick, do not come. But everybody else should be okay. Which, forgive me, I mean, maybe I'll duck for somebody that throws something at me, but that means, you know, kind of like if you have the flu. Yes. Personal responsibility is an amazing thing, isn't it? I'm not a huge fan of it, but yeah, sure. People almost have to assume... You're not a huge fan of personal responsibility? You want somebody else to do it all for you? Yeah! Wouldn't that be easier? It's kind of how you live your life, isn't it? It's the hate-ad way. That's my wife. Why should I do this myself when I can get somebody to do it for me? Exactly. Mm. But seriously, though, it's just so fun. I mean, imagine the reaction that if we shared this clip online, what some people would say, us saying right now, they should have full stadiums this fall. And if you are afraid of getting coronavirus, you stay home. If you have been around somebody that has it, stay home. You are assuming risk when you walk through the gates of that stadium. If you are not comfortable with the risk, stay home. Otherwise, do what you want. That gets people mad. It's amazing. Just personal responsibility. If you are afraid of getting it or if you live with somebody that's immunocompromised, don't go. Otherwise, I don't care if you get sick. That's your your decision and the, the risk that you are assuming by going, it doesn't affect me. I don't understand it. Somebody's going to sneeze or cough at a stadium this year and get beaten up and drug out of there. Hmm. Along these lines, just now, um, seven minutes ago, a tweet from the Ole Miss ticket office. The hope is to have a full Vaught-Hemingway stadium for the entire 2020 season, but if capacity limitations are necessary, here is how ticket priority will be determined. Number one, Renew by June 15th. Number two, Ole Miss Athletic Foundation red points. Number three, date ordered. There you go. Do you have a lot of red points? I have no idea. I do know that they, they like the, the point allocation that you get for buying tickets or making donations or whatnot, mm-hmm. um, I changed a couple of years ago. I don't buy season football tickets, though. You don't? Come on. I don't. Don't you want to go I to kind the games? Of, I, I kind of have to go already. Oh, that's right. My wife has a store and kind of has to work on Saturdays. and uh, buy baseball tickets and basketball tickets. Yeah. I, I don't get to use them very often, but my wife and kids love going. Yeah, and if I'm around, I love going with them. So, but no, I. I mean, hey, Dad, you could tell me I have three points or I have three thousand points, and not only would I not know if you were right or wrong, I wouldn't know what that equates to. I, I'm sure it's important. Yeah, 
in, in terms of where you get to sit and how many tickets you get to buy and gifts that you get and all of those things. And it's important for people to know what that is. I just don't know what they are. This is like, yeah. whose line is it anyway? Points are made up? <laughs> or wait, scores made up and the points don't matter. I give you seven. <laughs> what a great show. Do you remember whose line is it anyway? I do. Yeah, of course. Hosted by yeah. Drew Carey, right? A lot of yeah, them are still great. on YouTube. They hold up, man. I mean, that's yeah, real talent. Good. Still good. How would you do on that show, Hey Dad? <sighs> I don't think I'd do that great. I mean, I, I feel like I got some creativity and it's a good sense of humor, but those guys are pros, man. It's kind of what they do. Yeah. I could almost see you as a stand up comic. Or maybe a sit down comic. Yeah, but it's like, I don't like to stand up. So. We'll put a stool on the stage. I come out there on my rascal. On your rascal? Yeah. What I don't have, I don't uh, I don't own one. You know, the, the, the little scooters. It's like the Walmart scooter. The, Costanza a had one. No, 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 the Walmart scooter. The motorized scooters that, that old people. But you see them at Disney oh. World all the time. Oh, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. I didn't know they were called rascals. One. Yeah, it's the rascal. Remember, Costanza had one, and they found out he wasn't actually using it. He just wanted to use the bathroom. We should put you on a razor instead. <laughs> might, I might end up like that poor girl I saw in Nashville last year where she just beefed it into the concrete and they had to call an ambulance. <laughs> and, and was in need of a rascal going forward? She was in need of a lot. Good Lord, I thought she was dead. What a weird bachelorette party that was. Yeah, that's what it was, too. It was oh, a bachelorette no. <laughs> party. I was, I, I was walking was back to the, the hotel from... I don't know. Or I was walking kid. back to the hotel from... Uh, Whatever the state's last game, I forget who they're playing. And uh, I'm just like, what's going on over there? These people are looking like they're pretty hysterical. And I walked past, and this girl had just eaten the concrete. Ooh. She was drunk riding around on one of those scooters. And as I'm walking past, I see an ambulance pulling up. I'm like, Geez. oh, you're talking about the motorized version, the uh, like the bird scooters that you can Is use it, the app the, to go on. I guess, I guess, yeah, I don't know. But no, she, I was talking about she, one where you had to provide the power on your own. Ooh. Feels like, that feels a little close to exercise. <laughs> Hey, tell me about this commitment that Mississippi State got the uh, JUCO linebacker from Gulf Coast. Hold on, I had to, I have a uh, <laughs> I have his name spelled out phonetically in my phone. Navantake. Uh, Navantake. I, I think it's either Navantake or Navantake, but we'll go with Navantake. Strong, out of Mississippi Gulf Coast, rated as the number one inside linebacker, uh, junior college inside linebacker. Uh, in the country uh, by 24-7 sports. We'll see where the you – know, their, their, their JUCO rankings are interesting from time to time. But right now, State has two of the top four uh, commit JUCO-rated players in the country. Both of them at Mississippi Gulf Coast, uh, Cortez Eatman and, and Navantike Strong. Uh, they also lost a commitment today uh, from Georgia defensive end Thomas Davis, uh, who uh, got a guy who they said had the camps happen, might have blown up a little bit. Georgia kid, but it was probably going to be tough to hold on to him anyway. So uh, he's off and running. And and as we sit here waiting, there's a lot of smoke on Twitter that Alabama grad transfer Tyrell Shavers may be headed to Starkville. We'll see how that turns out. But uh, Coach Steve Spurrier just tweeted something. Dave Emmerich tweeted something earlier that makes me believe those wheels are in motion. All righty.
Super Talk Mississippi media production.